Good morning, Cornerstone. My name is Matthew, and I will be doing the scripture reading for today, which comes from Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip tetrarch of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Licinius tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He said therefore to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then shall we do? And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. This is the word of the Lord. Greetings, Cornerstone, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It has been a eventful week uh, with such uh, disruptive things going on in Washington, D.C. And what better time for us to gather again and focus on where our hope is, and that is in our Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. While we pray for this nation and for the the calmness and the uh, direction of our leadership to follow the principles of the Lord Christ. We know that that is out of our control, and we can only do so ourselves, starting with us, to be faithful in following Him as Lord. So let's put our minds and hearts to that now as we uh, begin this uh, focus on chapter 3 of Luke and this text that I've chosen today in verses, the first 18 verses and uh, see what we can learn from this, the Word of God. When a special guest comes into our home and we're preparing for him or her, uh, we do usually a few things. We will clean up our house, uh, dust, make sure it looks really good. Uh, we will straighten things up, pick up our mess, uh, even sometimes decorate. Uh, for this special occasion, depending on how special the guest is. And 
I was thinking it's similar to like a first date, uh, if some of us can remember that, or if those of you who are in the midst of it. When you go on a first date, what do you usually do, right? You make sure you're, you look right, you look nice, you know, check your breath, uh, make sure your hair is all set up. You want to look nice. And if you're going to pick that person up in your car, you clean your car, you clean the inside of your car, you want the car to look nice and smell nice. Um, and we will prepare for our guests or our first date. And it's similar, like if you think about uh, those of us who live New York's, near New York City, we always hear of uh, when the President of the United States visits New York City. Uh, there's, for many people, there are delays and backups and traffic jams, and this is because portions of the city are blocked off um, for normal, of normal traffic, and the preparation for the presidential visit is like extensive. It requires so much planning and organization into it. Teams of Secret Service personnel travel in advance and conduct these site surveys, which assesses the need for manpower and equipment and hospitals that are available and evacuation routes and for emergencies and fire and rescue and other public um, service personnel in the community are alerted to the president's visit. And then checkpoints are established and access to the secured area where the president will be is limited. Uh, the assistance of the military and the federal and the state and the county and the local law enforcement um, and the public safety organizations is all a vital part to the entire security operation for the president's visit. So just imagine the amount it costs for the president to visit uh, each location that he goes, to have all this happening ahead of time and then while he's there. So much goes into the preparing for the arrival of the president of the United States. What are we doing in preparation for the arrival of the king of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ? Um, we are to prepare the way for the Lord and His return when He is coming. And He could come at any time. We hear that in the Scriptures. Luke, who wrote this account, believed that the emergence of John the Baptist was so important that he dated it in three different ways. It's kind of like overkill from our point of view, but it was not from his point of view. And, and we can see this in three ways. First is in light of the world background and what was happening in that time, the background of the Roman Empire, Tiberius Caesar uh, was the successor of Augustus Caesar, who was the first emperor of the Roman Empire, and Tiberius being the second emperor. And the 15th year of his reign would have been around A.D. 28 or 29. And then second is in light of the political organization of the Palestine area, you know, where, where John the Baptist was going, was ministering and also Jesus in that light. So Pontius Pilate, Herod, the brother, um, his brother Philip, and Licinius all ruled different parts of the area of Palestine. And then the third way Luke dates uh, the emergence of John the Baptist is in light of the religious situation and the rulers of the religious uh, Jews at that time. And John's ministry emerged uh, during the time when the high priesthood uh, of 
Annas and Caiaphas, it says, but actually there's only one high priest in the position at that time. So what uh, Luke is bringing out here at, at this point in the history of Jerusalem in this religious uh, period was that while Caiaphas was in position as high priest, Annas was actually the person with power and influence uh, over the religious community at that time. And we see an example of this in John 18. When Jesus was arrested, who was the first person they brought him to? And that was Annas. They brought him to Annas, who had the real power and influence, before they actually brought him to the high priest, which was Caiaphas. So Luke provided such details like this that we can know the setting of John the Baptist's ministry and what was going on at that time. Luke wrote in verse 2, The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. So this gives us more information about John the Baptist. And some scholars believe that John was part of this group called the Essenes who lived out and located themselves out in the wilderness um, because they did not want to participate or um, take part in the worship that was ongoing at the temple in Jerusalem. They thought it was, had been compromised, so they separated themselves in the wilderness. And from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 6, we learn, John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Wow, really good uh, snacks for uh, we should consider, huh? Locusts and wild honey. Lots of protein. Well, this is evidence uh, of John living in the desert wilderness. And all four Gospels refer to John the Baptist quoting some part of this prophetic um, text in the prophet Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5, which says, and I'll read this whole text for you, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, this is describing some major groundwork that is being done to uh, straighten things up for the coming king. And it's interesting that this uh, Isaiah passage is a prophecy about the ministry of John the Baptist and his role in to prepare the way of the Lord. But it is also clear from this prophecy that the message of John was for others to prepare the way of the Lord as well. And John was not to be the only one preparing the way of the Lord. This was during the time of Jesus' first coming, his life on earth. But now, for us who wait and anticipate Jesus' return, his second coming, this also applies still to us, to prepare the way of the Lord. So therefore, how do we prepare the way of the Lord? And this is the, the purpose and, and meaning of this text that we'll be looking at today. So one way we see uh, from the message that John was preaching to that time and that, the pe people of his day 
is that we repent of our sins and we tell others to do the same. Uh, verse 3 says, And he, meaning John the Baptist, went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. This means a baptism which follows repentance and therefore is a sign of repentance from our sins. John called on people to turn away from their sins. As we see in verses 10 through 14 of our text, John challenged people to live righteously in and through their specific life situations. So John's message was to prepare the way of the Lord by having people turn from their sinfulness and live rightly in the situations God had placed them. Repent simply means to go in the opposite direction, to do like a U-turn or an about-face, speaking in a military fashion. If, if we were nothing more than animals, then we would just have to follow our instincts. We couldn't control really what we do, but since as humans, we can repent. We can turn from our sin thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has done for us. If our road is crooked, it can be made straight. If uh, we were on the wrong track in life, we can turn around, go a different direction. Uh, we may not be able to change uh, the past, but we can look to the future. From here on out, I'm going to do what is right. Uh, we may not be able to fully escape the consequences of what we have done that's wrong, um, but we do not have to continue down that same path. We change, we turn from that. We can repent and start anew in Christ Jesus because of what He has done. He has freed us from the sinful um, behavior, the, our slavery to sin. This is the good news because of what He has accomplished on the cross. And when we acknowledge Him as Lord, then we are set free. The truth sets us free. And this is good news. And so we prepare the way of the Lord by turning from our sinful ways in Christ and then sharing this good news with others. This is the first way we prepare the way of the Lord in our own hearts and in the hearts of others. See, people are heading in the wrong direction and they're, leading, they're following a path that leads to destruction, to their own destruction. And we prepare the way of the Lord to come into their hearts by sharing with them their need to repent of their sinful ways and turn to Christ Jesus as Lord. Now, this message of repentance points to the truth that there is a judgment that is coming, God's judgment. And we hear this in verse 7 of our text. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Hear that? The wrath of God, the judgment of God. See, John lived in the desert, and the land of the desert was covered with this stubble and brushwood and dry. It was very, very dry. And even a little spark um, from a fire or whatever, an ember, would set the desert on fire because it was so dry. And when this happened, it was very common for the vipers, these snakes, to slither out of their crannies and looks and little holes in the ground to escape the flames uh, for their lives. 
And, and in fact, um, they would be seen slithering around and people would try to avoid them. And John is likening the people that are coming to be baptized to these snakes uh, that people that are familiar with the desert would be very aware of. And the Jews, you see that he is challenging them because the Jews, in general, the culture of that day, uh, they all thought like God had this special favored nation clause when it came to judgment. And they held that God would judge the other nations with one standard, but then for the Jewish nation, the nation of Israel, he had a totally different standard. You know, they were favored. They were the chosen people. And they, in fact, uh, the Jews, held that a man was safe, really, from the ultimate judgment of God just because he was a Jew. They believed a son of Abraham was really exempt from God's severe judgment. And John the Baptist told them that this racial privilege that they hung on to really meant nothing. Uh, that life, not a lineage, was uh, God's standard of judgment. You know, how they lived their life. Now, let's face the truth. We often live in the same way. Um, for those of us who follow Jesus or have been you know, brought up in the church, we, you know, we say we're saved. We're, we hold on to that. Um, and we think we will be spared God's judgment because we believe in Jesus. And this is absolutely true we will still be judged by God. But because the blood of Christ has cleansed us from our sin and paid that penalty, when God looks at us, we will be seen as righteous because of Christ's righteousness that covers us and is in us. So it's absolutely true. But if we do not have fruit in our lives to show for this faith that we have in Jesus, then as John described in verse 9, Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Jesus taught this same thing later in the Gospel of John, in chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. Listen to what it says there. I am the vine, this is the words of Christ, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. There is that fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Fire is a biblical metaphor for judgment. It's all over the place. We see this metaphor used three times just in our text of Luke 3, 1 through 18. Now, I like this account of Luke because he alone records uh, John the Baptist's reply to these questioners uh, who are anxious about the way of repentance and how this is to play out in their, their specific life situations. Um, and this brings us to another way that we are to prepare the way of the Lord. And that way is we produce good fruit. Now, uh, they're, like Jesus just said, if we remain in him, we will bear much fruit it's actually him bearing the fruit through us. We produce good fruit. We see this in the beginning of verse 8 when John the Baptist said, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. This is his answer to this. And then in verse 9, he goes on and says, even now the axe is laid 
to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. There is the fire. John the Baptist gave examples, specific examples of what these people uh, should do and what is meant by bearing good fruit and keeping with repentance. Uh, especially when they, they ask this question, what then shall we do? Right? And tell us practically, what does this mean for us? And John told them then in verse 11 to share what they had with those who did not have, like food and clothing. Very practical. And, then, and there are ways we can do this right now in our situation. Uh, Franklin Food Bank which is in our town, the same town as our church uh, facilities. The Franklin Food Bank distributes food to, at least before the pandemic, about 60 families plus a week. I'm guessing it must be more than that now. Um, We can go online to Franklin Food Bank and find out what food items they're short on and donate them. Um, If you have a special heart for the homeless, those people that are just without any shelter, you can go to Elijah's Promise and get involved with them because they provide meals, daily meals for people. And many of these people that they feed are homeless. And also they, they seek to help provide for their needs in other ways. Get involved in Elijah's Promise. John the Baptist goes on to tell um, the tax collectors not to collect any more taxes than they're supposed to. It's just a basic thing. And uh, in other words, don't steal from others, right? What is rightfully theirs, the money that they've worked hard for and God has provided them, don't collect it as a tax just for yourself. So you know, that's why tax collectors were hated so often in this culture, especially one, they were Jews usually who were actually working for the Romans which were despised, so they were despised for that. And then they were collecting more than they needed to, so they would make their own pockets rich off their fellow Jews. Yeah, so that gives you insight into what the disciples thought when Jesus called Matthew, the tax collector, to be one of his disciples. They're like, what? Are you out of your mind, Jesus? (laughs) Yeah. And then John the Baptist goes on to tell some soldiers we see in our text, not to exhort money, and not to accuse people falsely. Uh, There were to be, I mean, these soldiers were to be content with their own wages and not abuse their authority. So John is telling them, just live rightly as a soldier. The point here is that you and I prepare the way of the Lord with others by just doing what is right in the situations that God has placed us. This makes me think about the people who prepared the way of the Lord for me in my life. Um, He used significant people throughout my days, especially my young days growing up to be an adult, to prepare my heart for Him to come and reside with me. Uh, These are people who acted with kindness and concern and love and compassion for me. Uh, One, I remember, one Sunday school teacher sticks out in my mind, made a great impact on me. Uh, I think of my father and my mother uh, and my pastor. I think of some of my friends in college, 
um, my boss when I was working as an engineer, um, and my older brother, Mike, which I've mentioned before. But my eighth grade Sunday school teacher, uh, I want to tell you about him. Uh, Jay Duffett was his name, or is his name. I'm not sure. He's pretty elderly now. I'm not sure if he's still alive or not. I've lost touch. But he really prepared the way of the Lord to enter my heart, uh, just as an eighth grader, as my Sunday school teacher. Um, and he did this not only by teaching me about the Bible, but he also by, did this by demonstrating to me and his whole class his love and concern for each of us. He asked us, the odd thing I remember is he asked us to call him Jay by his first name instead of Mr. Duffett. So that took some getting used to. And, but we did that. And I remember one time he took us all to this uh, Howard Johnson's, which was real close to where uh, we were. He was the, the location where we were had our class. And he, the thing about Howard Johnson's at that point was they had 50 plus flavors of ice cream to choose from. So he was going to buy us all ice cream. And so each of the kids were ordering. It came to my turn to order, and I ordered vanilla. And immediately came over to me uh, while he was standing next to us. And he said, Jeff, there's over 50 plus flavors. Why are you ordering vanilla? Don't you want something else? Try something else? And I said, well, I, I really like vanilla, so I want to order vanilla. So, uh, you know, he backed off. But what stuck most with me about Jay Duffett, my Sunday school teacher, is his intense personal uh, attention and concern for each of us, especially for me. That stuck with me. Um, I was convinced, and I think all the other kids in his class, too, were convinced that our teacher, Jay Duffett, loved and was concerned for us, had compassion for us as people, and he was pointing us to Jesus. You know, serving as a uh, teacher or an assistant or a counselor or whatever way in our children ministry or our youth ministry, um, when we do this, it opens up huge opportunities for us to prepare the way of the Lord to, for the, to enter the hearts of these children or youth. So I would encourage you to consider strongly serving in some fashion in our children's or youth ministry um, for a period of time. You could just commit for a period of time. Whatever way it is, you will be blessed as well as you will be a blessing to others with the opportunity God gives you to point them to Jesus. Now, if Christ is in us as followers of Jesus, by our faith in Him as Lord, and so His Spirit is dwelling in us, then we naturally will show kindness and love and compassion and have forgiveness for the people God brings to us because His Spirit will be flowing through us in ministry to others. And whether these people that God brings to us are in spiritual need or physical need or emotional need or all of the above, uh, we prepare the way of the Lord by showing them kindness in simple and big ways. Um, and that, those acts of kindness and compassion in the name of Jesus, prepares the way of the Lord to enter into their hearts. You know, this is our hope and prayer as a church, 
at Cornerstone that when we host our annual Thanksgiving community dinner, uh, on the, usually the Tuesday night before Thanksgiving, uh, it is a, a dinner for those specifically in our surrounding neighborhood. Um, our church facilities are located in Somerset, and we really want to just show God's kindness and love and grace to our, the people that live right around us. And some of them are already followers of Jesus and brothers and sisters in Christ, and others are not. And we don't discriminate. We just we want to show the kindness of God to our neighbors, giving thanks to God our Father um, for what He has given us by sharing that with our neighbors. And we pray that we reflect this kindness of God in Christ Jesus to the people that live uh, right next to where we gather for worship. Now, in 2020, uh, we were not able to hold our usual Thanksgiving dinner because of the pandemic. And so instead, the team that represented all three congregations and youth came together uh, and thought of this way that we could be a, still be a blessing to our neighbors, but also then to our local restaurants that usually donated food uh, to this community dinner in the past years. They faithfully just donated food because they wanted to show uh, their kindness as well and generosity to this event for the neighbors. And so uh, what we did is we did this by handing out gift bags to our immediate neighbors um, that included a gift card to one of these local restaurants. So we were a blessing to the neighbors as well as a blessing to the restaurants. And doing this, we are preparing the way of the Lord by showing the kindness of God to the neighbors, but also when we approached the restaurants with this idea, they were touched and moved. And we pray that the owners and uh, managers of these restaurants were also now their hearts are being prepared to receive Christ at some point. So doing this, we are preparing the way of the Lord to come into the lives of the people that we have contact with in the name of Jesus. And I, I remember one of our dinners in the past years when a man and his family were leaving the community dinner after they had eaten, experienced it. And, and he said to me that he wished that more churches would care for their communities as he just then had experienced. And he went on to say that if, he, if, this had, if this was more common, then he thought that maybe there wouldn't be as many riots and injustices, racial injustice, that we see so often in our communities. Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says, or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? God's kindness for us and for the world in and through Christ Jesus and what He has done for us when we didn't deserve it, by His grace, leads us to repentance. When we understand what Christ has done and we are confronted with the truth of what God has done for people who rebelled and sinned against Him, that kindness will lead and call us to repentance. Well, and likewise, God works through the kindness that is done in our hearts 
to others in the name of Jesus to lead others to repentance and to follow Christ as Lord. This is how we make disciples. And you see, the good news, as it spreads, the peop- some people will respond to it. Because we, in the sense, are just preparing the way of the Lord by sharing this good news. So the question to us today is, are we actively preparing the way of the Lord? Or are we focused slowly on our own lives, our own needs, uh, our own busy schedules, and the things that we desire and want to do, and we're not thinking of preparing the way of the Lord for every person that God brings to us? As followers of Jesus, what are we doing that demonstrates the love and compassion and forgiveness and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Christ has forgiven us. How are we forgiving others? Christ's kindness to us. How are we being kind to others intentionally? Especially if we know people are in need in some way. This is an opportunity, brothers and sisters, to show the love and compassion and kindness of Jesus Christ to them and give credit to Jesus, not to ourselves. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for John the Baptist, and for ultimately Jesus, our Lord, uh, in the sense of how you have, again, not called us to do anything that you have not done yourself. Father, we worship you. We love you because you have loved us in an obvious way in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We are overwhelmed. We confess There are many times we have not reached out with kindness because it was inconvenient. Uh, It was costly. Uh, It may put us at risk. But Lord, you have called us to go as you have gone. And Lord, we pray that your spirit would well up in us in Cornerstone, in each of the congregations, to do rightly in the name of Jesus and to spread the gospel truth, to prepare the way of the Lord as you have called us to do for your glory and for your namesake. We pray this. Amen. Brothers and sisters, we'll see you next week. God bless.